0: Welcome back to Real Nursing. This is episode two. If you are tuning in, that means you've come back for more, so thank you for that. I want to give you a little background for this next section of the story. Um, When I started out in nursing back in 2012, I started on a cardiac step-down unit. We did sheath pulls after cardiac catheterizations and ablations. We also did pacemaker insertion monitoring and we had a variety of med surge patients on the floor as well. Um, this next section is from my first few weeks of um, orientation to the unit. I was not yet on my own. I was working with a, a preceptor at the time, so here we go. August 8, 2012. Why is there such a discrepancy between what we learn in nursing school and how it really is to work as a nurse? Today I was overwhelmed beyond belief. In clinical, if the MAR called for a a 9am dose of low presser when the patient was also requesting Dilaudid and Roxycodone around the clock, we didn't have to take his blood pressure beforehand and make the call. Maybe it's because we weren't giving narcotics in school. I don't quite recall as it seems light years away now that I'm out of the safety net. Still, I barely have time to say good morning to my patients let alone figure out a detailed care plan for each of them including the psychosocial aspects of their lives. Today I received a patient back from an ablation who had one arterial and four venous sheaths to pull. By the time I finished holding pressure one hour later, I was hopelessly behind on meds, blood glucose checks, assessments, and documentation. I found myself wondering how I would handle the full patient load when it was highly likely to have two patients needing sheath poles on any given day. Back to the patient with dilated low pressure and roxycodone. His blood pressure was 142 over 85 and he's a big guy who's fairly young. I gave all three and prayed. His next blood pressure was 122 over 79. Phew! He had a chest tube in place and had been requesting pain medication every three hours for the past three days. On day three of my three 12-hour shifts, I wished him the best of luck, and he told me that my compassion and care really showed and had made a tough situation easier to bear. This was a guy who had almost injured while helping him to the bathroom when his chest tube caught in the recliner. Nevertheless, his words and hugs made a day of stress and insecurity all worthwhile. August 22, 2012 A mere six weeks into my orientation, and I've officially traded in my lofty goal of touching lives for making it through the next three shifts so I can enjoy four blissful days of peace and quiet. Thank God I don't have kids. As all the Florence Nightingale wannabes of the world shake their heads at what a travesty people like me are to the profession of nursing, I'm contemplating my escape, or at least a survival plan for the next two years I'm shackled to this hospital. So far, my plan involves weekly visits to the beach, cuddle time with my two Great Danes, as many yoga sessions as I can afford. Gary, or as I like to call him, the man I should have married the first time around, is a constant source of support and encouragement. When I trudge through the door at 7.30 p.m., more like 10 p.m. some nights, he has my bath ready, candles lit, dinner on, and a glass of wine waiting sometimes as I unload my stress on him for the umpteenth time I wonder if he'll stick around until I'm able to break free from floor nursing all day at work my mind is going a thousand different directions as I do my best to plan each second of the day and stay ahead of the game I've even started to carry this home making sure not to waste any steps as I pick up the morning coffee cups and dog food bowls on the way to the garage to change the laundry depositing the mugs in the sink and the bowls in the dog food container at the same time I pick up the detergent to start the next load try as I might it's very difficult to forget about time and drop the cloak of anxiety I wear at work I go to yoga to remember how to breathe especially when I realize I'm not even on my own yet August 23rd 2012 it's nine o'clock in the morning only two hours into my shift and I'm already looking haggard I'm staring back at the Medtronic sales lady in utter envy as she rattles on about yet another device we nurses are expected to operate expertly, which includes explaining how they work to the physician who prescribed them. Just 20 more minutes with us and she'll be off to another floor away from the noise and pressure nibbling away at my consciousness. Her mobility and hour-long lunches are only part of the reason I envy her. The larger part is due to her perfectly pressed charcoal gray suit, expertly done makeup, dazzling youthful smile, and exquisite Nine West heels. Oh, how I miss heels. At yeah, five foot nothing, coming to work in drawstring pants and shoes that resemble rubberized slippers makes me feel like a eight-year-old on her way to a slumber party. Not to mention I feel like I've aged about ten years in the two months since I got my license and as I look around at my fellow nurses I see I'm not alone in this circumstance. There is an air of fatigue that hangs over them and drags their expression down to a weary state of acceptance. Every time I take a shower more of my hair falls out and the vein traveling down the center of my forehead has gone from barely visible to angry and throbbing. All of this was on the tip of my tongue when the director of nursing breezes by and asks me how it's going with a cheerful smile That makes me want to slug her however considering i still have a mortgage telling her that i think this dog this job is making me sick didn't seem wise instead i force a smile and exclaim great there sure is a lot to learn a half truth there is a lot to learn after nursing school for instance does the sometimes tough love relationship between a nurse and a patient extend to asking someone to help move her arse instead of putting her full 280 pounds on your 110-pound frame while trying to wedge her onto the bedside commode, or telling that same patient that patients of her size and utter helplessness are often referred to as career-enders in the EMS field where they don't have the luxury of specialized lips or an extra four pair of hands. I found myself becoming angry with her half-hearted attempts to push her enormous self up in the bed as she looked at me in accusation as if to say, why aren't you doing this? I fought the urge to explain the simple impossibility of moving her enormous arse up in bed without at least two other people. When help arrived to the room in the form of one CNA, we gave it a valiant effort as I felt a twinge of agony in my neck and the patient sighed at the short distance we had managed to move her. I fumed inside. The size, the utter helplessness, helplessness, all that I could forgive. But this ingratitude was more than I could bear. I thanked the CNA, took a deep breath, called for another set of hands, and reminded myself that while I'm obligated to care for my patients, I do not have to like them. Thank you so much again for tuning in. I look forward to the next episode and having you um, listen in again. Um, I hope you're enjoying it, and I hope it's helping to Realize that you're not alone in your frustrations. Um, Sometimes the um, triumphs, but also the tribulations of nursing. I look forward to the next time. Thank you.